0: Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety and learn how to be more fully present in life. Each week, I'm speaking with experts in the fields of entrepreneurship, nutrition, mindset, sex, spirituality, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a writer, a speaker, and an entrepreneur. Through my own struggle to balance the demands of motherhood and life, I discovered that to truly be happy, we need to be present. Your journey to feeling less stressed and more blissfully present in your own life starts right now. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I am beyond excited to share this episode with Dr. Marissa Lawrence with you. I haven't been shy about sharing my own personal journey with breast implant illness and how I got my breast implants removed recently, and it's because I think it's important to share. I think it's important to share this kind of information with people who may not have even heard of BII or breast implant illness, and you know they've been suffering for months, maybe years with autoimmune disease, and they have no clue why, so I'm just... Thrilled that I had my explant doctor on the show to talk about the data behind it, because you can hear a lot of stories, and you know you don't really know what to believe. But she has been doing an actual study. She's the only doctor in America as of now doing a formal study on BII, which I think is incredible. And she went to Washington, D.C. to testify to the FDA at their recent hearing in March about what she has found. And so I think this episode is really going to be a great primer for you in understanding what exactly is BII and what you can test for with your primary care physicians to see what exactly is going on. And if you suspect that you have BII or someone that you know is suffering, then what are you going to do about it? And so she does just a great job in going over what it is, what you should test for, and then what the next steps are and what really the data is showing. So far um, because it's just a huge undertaking, which I think you're going to understand by the end of this episode. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Please leave a five-star view, screenshot it. Let's get the word out about BII, what exactly is going on so that we can help and heal absolutely the most amount of people. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is the supplement line that I created with the intention of helping you battle stress and anxiety in a natural way. Now, this isn't like you're taking some pharmaceutical. You're going to take these either through the tincture or the capsules, and you're going to feel a a grounding out, a gentle calming down. And it's not stark. You're not going to feel drugged. Um, But you are going to notice a difference. And if you don't notice anything, you could try to take a little bit more and see how you feel because everyone is different and everyone metabolizes it differently. But this is really a great tool in your toolkit to help you be more you. That's the best way I can describe it. It's the best form of self-care that brings you back to who you really are and removes all of the exhausting energy that you would be spending on being anxious, being depressed, um, just generally not feeling like your best self. So this is my gift to you, and uh, you can get yours in stores across the country or at my website at motherhoodunstressed.com. Well, hello, Dr. Lawrence. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited to talk to you about this very important topic. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to have this opportunity to
0: speak to um, your listeners about a very important disease. Absolutely. So I'm just going to jump right in with a question. How would you define breast implant illness?
1: Breast implant illness is very, very difficult to define. The problem is that the, specific, the symptoms are nonspecific to one disease system. It is um, a disease that has effects on almost every organ, organism. So it's kind of a nonspecific specific. Connective tissue um, symptomatology. And I don't even know if we can call it a disease yet because we haven't defined exactly what's causing it, what its um, widespread effects are, and how to cure it. So I think we're still in an observation stage where we're collecting data. And I think the more data we collect, the more information we're getting. Um, There are some patients who are very sick with positive laboratory results. The majority of patients don't have any abnormalities in their labs or diagnostic testing. And so it's very, very hard to put your finger on what is breast implant illness and what other diseases might be going on um, in patients and what is caused by breast implants and what is not. So at this point, I think there are some very strong connections that we're looking at, but we really are still trying to figure out. This whole issue out. Um, There are a couple of theories out there that are all very promising. One, of course, relates to a low grade uh, bacterial inflammation of the capsule. It's called a biofilm, and we're seeing that it may be implicated in the anaplastic large cell lymphomas that are being uh, seen in a very small percentage of textured patients. Um, 40 46% of my patients, um, where I've tested the capsules will have positive bacterial cultures of the capsule. It's a small amount and their skin flora, their skin organisms that normally are not harmful, but it just may be enough inside the body to trigger the immune system to, you know, start a fight response. Another theory is a genetic predisposition to having something foreign in your body, um, I spoke with a woman who knows a lot about the MTHFR gene mutation, um, and she says that those patients can't tolerate anything foreign in their body. Mm-hmm. So it may just be um, almost an allergic reaction to whatever, you know, to having a foreign body. Nothing specific in the implant or in the implant capsule, but just the fact that there's a foreign body in their body triggers their immune response. And then the third is metal toxicity. And we're going to look at that again, uh, looking at urinary metal um, levels. But there is a brilliant toxicologist who actually testified at the FDA hearing, and he's been looking at that for 29 years. And he um, pretty much has discredited that theory. But I think it's still worth looking into one more time.
0: Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's amazing. And those are some things that I didn't even realize. And this is something that I've been studying. Um, So tell us a little bit about your background and how it led you to even studying this issue Um, because you're a plastic surgeon, you know, you do surgeries all the time. Um, So take us through that.
1: So I've been a board-certified plastic surgeon in um, Atlanta for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I have been using implants for my reconstructive and augmentation patients for 25 years. Um, I've, you know, watched the evolution of uh, better implants, better shells, better fillers, Um, I've seen so many happy patients with implants, and then about two years ago, I started to see a few patients who were not so happy, that were concerned their implants were making them sick, and we know that we had this issue in the 90s with silicone implants, but these women now had saline implants, which is supposedly safe,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I wasn't really sure what to make of them. I mean, I did review the literature with them, but I you know, agreed that if they wanted their implants out, I would be happy to take them out. And I could take it out with a whole capsule because I've been trained to do that and have been doing it for years. And I had my first patient who had a total body rash got better. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just, it was, um, you know, within three months, the rash had cleared up. Her brain fog was improved. She had more energy. And I was intrigued. So I started to... Um, as I started to see more patients, because, of course, she spoke to friends and other patients, I, started, I developed a questionnaire, before and after questionnaire, just looking at everything. Then I was referred to the website, and I didn't even realize, BreastImplantIllness.com, that I, my name was listed. But um, it just was another source of referrals. Facebook was another source of referrals, although they threw me off that group. <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, I was getting a lot of great information from patients on that, but <laughs> I think they just didn't want a doctor, quote-unquote, spying on them. Not that I was spying. I was actually um, just looking to see who got better, what symptoms got better. So anyway, um, I started collecting data. I had about 125 patients in the practice in October, and I was at a plastic surgery meeting, and they were filming us for the Plastic Surgery Channel, and they asked about breast implant illness, and I said, you know, I don't know what's going on, but my patients are getting better. Mm -hmm. Then um, Mindy Hawes, who's out of Nashville, who's fabulous, she's a great leader, she said, let's get a task force together for the Aesthetic Society, and the task force was formed. So we had to first define what it is, and of course, it was very difficult to, you know, to um, to figure it out. But we got breast implant illness frequently asked questions that we post on our websites, and then we did a um, questionnaire for all the plastic surgeons: who's seeing it? What do you think is going on? Who's collecting data? You know, let's let's figure this out. And then that led to us all going to the FDA. Um, where there was a lot of information shared, um, but not a whole lot of answers. I think I was the only one who presented actual data on the patients with breast implant illness that I had wow. collected. Um, and as I said, the you know I'm still very, very early in my studies. I'm still collecting data, and I have a pile on my desk I have to go through of post-op questionnaires and new patient questionnaires. But the things that stuck out the most to me are, um, it's not one implant that's implicated, it's not one manufacturer. I see um, Mentor, Allergan, Saline, silicone, Texture and Smooth, every implant has been implicated in breast implant illness. Mm. And then the other was that at three months post-op, because I've looked at the 100 patients at three months post-op, only a third of patients are reporting any relief of their symptoms which means we have to follow our patients long-term just to see how much improvement they get. Uh, We're also looking at family history for autoimmune disease. I've started even looking at things like tattoos to see whether or not... Because I'd like to do urine metal testing, but I think the tattoos are going
0: to
1: are going to alter that. So I have to figure out web, you know, how to distinguish where the, with what metal is coming from the breast implants and what metal is coming from the tattoos. So there's just a lot of different factors to take into account. Um, we're doing... Um, right now what I'm doing is I'm urging patients to get a genetic test through 23andMe to look for any abnormalities. And then we can see if... You know, everybody in the group has certain... Um, Abnormality in one of their genes. Well, that would be a very important clue. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also sending the capsule for DNA sequencing. So we can more accurately see whether there's yeast, fungus, and bacteria in the capsules. My uh, Northside Hospital is picking up the bacteria, but I'm not picking up any yeast or fungus. So I'd really like to know specifically what and what are there more types of bacteria that we're not seeing. So that's important. And then, of course, the urinary heavy metal screening, I think, is important too. Um, So those are where we're headed at this point.
0: Well, I mean, this seems it is a massive undertaking, but it's, it needs Huge. to be done. Yeah, because it's Huge. just it hasn't been done. This is all new territory. So talk to us a little bit about the hearing in D.C. It was all over the news, um, and you stood up there and you gave testimony about you know, your study and what you've been seeing with your own patients. What, do you, what were some key takeaways that you heard that day? I know you said there weren't a lot of answers, but what's something that our listeners need to know from that hearing?
1: Well, they looked at seven factors. One was MRI screening of breast implants, and it was determined that most patients weren't getting MRI screening because it was too expensive. Mm. So they were looking at high-density ultrasound for um, ruptures of silicone implants to see whether or not that could replace MRIs, because that's something that could be done a lot less expensively and more efficiently in doctor's office. So they were going to look at the recommendations for monitoring. They were going to look at the informed consents very, very carefully. Patients um, were given a lot of information and papers to sign, and even the ASPS consents will talk about the risk of autoimmune disease, but patients didn't clearly understand what the risks were. So informed consent was very, very important. The other thing they talked about was the use of biologic mesh with implants in reconstruction. And... That is a totally separate issue, but I think they're going to uh, look for more stringent testing with the biologic mesh. I think that they were actually con- concerned about the quote-unquote mesh because of the vaginal sling mesh that was such a problem. Right. This is nothing like this. This is a, this is a soft tissue mesh that's used to actually hold the implant in place, but because they, it has not been FDA approved for this for this um, purpose. I think they're going to require more stringent uh, monitoring of those. Then they talked about the use of real world data and making decisions. And that, that comes into, you know, looking at your breast implant illness patients and looking at all that data and trying to um, form opinions and make recommendations based on that data as opposed to just scientific data. And then, um, there were three more. Oh, then it was the textured implants with ALCL. And I believe those are going to be restricted. I know they're restricted wow. in Canada and France. And um, I'm, I'd am i be surprised if they're not going to be restricted here as well. And then um, the use of registries, breast implant registries. Again, we are required to use the registries, but non-compliance rates were very, very high. Whether that was um, patients just didn't want to... Fill out the forms. Or whether the doctors didn't solicit the forms from the patient is yet to be seen. But both the Aesthetic Society and the Plastic Surgery Society now have user-friendly uh, registries where we can list our where we can. Um, track our patients with implants and do follow-ups with them so that like my questionnaires would be great to put in those studies so that we see exactly what symptoms are developing when. And then breast implant illness, it was uh, more, there are patients who are reporting it. We need further studies. And that's where I came in. You know, I have a very early, very small study, but I'm the only one they've got right now.
0: Wow. That's amazing in the entire country. Yeah. Now, you know, there have been studies...
1: In the Netherlands, there have been studies in Israel, but the controls were not um, what we had, you know, it wasn't, there were flaws to all those studies. So we're looking at, I've got um, calls into a couple of other doctors who are tracking symptoms and we're looking to see if we can get a large group study. It's interesting. It's already been accepted for publication and I haven't written it yet. That's how anxious plastic surgery community is for information about breast implant illness.
0: Well, and, and from, you know, doctors such as yourself, I mean, where it can actually be looked at, um, and, and trusted, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I keep coming back to, you know, cause anyone can tell like this happened to me, this happened to me, but no, you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of women and documenting their, their, their medical histories. I mean, this is groundbreaking. I'm so excited that this is going to be out into the world. So, um, it's going to take a lot of work, a lot uh, of effort, a lot of collaboration between patients and their doctors.
1: I think that the unfortunate thing was two years ago when all this came out, um, there was not a collaboration between doctors and patients. And I think that there was some distrust on the part of our patients. Mm-hmm. But I think now that we're getting more real world data, I think that collaboration is very, very important. And I think it's very important for us to know what patients are experiencing. And I think. Um, I know there's an ALCL Facebook group where doctors and patients are both on sharing information. I need to start one for breast implant illness too, just so patients can send me information that they've gotten, you know, from their own experiences even if they're not my patients, so that I can, you know, at least get a feel for what's going on. Because as I said, if it wasn't for me on those websites, I wouldn't have gained most of the information that I I have based on um, you know what patients are telling each other. You know because they weren't telling their doctors, or they were telling their doctors, and their doctors weren't listening.
0: Right. Exactly. So if a, if a woman is listening to this right now, she has implants, but maybe she lives in Kansas City. Can she contact you and and talk to you she, about? Yeah, she can.
1: But you know, there are. I mean, it's now becoming very, very widespread. Everybody knows about breast implant illness. I'm going to talk on a panel. In May to all the plastic surgeons in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. Um, it's all over the media, it's all over the news, and there are, you know, doctors are more and more familiar with it. But I mean, they're welcome to, you know, call me or email me. But, um, you know, I'm in solo practice, and as I said, I I saw four, I saw five patients yesterday who all want to get on my schedule. So I am not going to be able to personally talk to every patient, but I I am going to start a blog, and I am, um, you know, and I can refer them to. Other doctors in their areas, um, and you know, just hopefully, I need to get this paper together mm-hmm. so that we um, the more information for better care of the patients.
0: Absolutely. So, for listeners who are you know just hearing about BII, um, what's what's something that you want them to be aware of? What what do you want to put into their field of awareness? I want them
1: to realize that the majority of patients with breast implants are fine. They don't have symptoms, but there is a small but growing percentage of women who are having nonspecific uh, autoimmune connective tissue disorders that may be related to their uh, their breast implants and they need to be evaluated. I think it's important to get medical evaluations from rheumatologists, primary care doctors, Infectious disease doctors in conjunction with being evaluated to see if your implants need to be removed, so I think if there is a concern there primary care doctors we're trying to make them all aware of it because we do need some lab work we do need mm-hmm. to see exactly um, what's um, we, we need to see what's triggering it we need to see what the abnormality is. And as plastic surgeons, we don't have the knowledge that rheumatologists and infectious disease doctors have. So I think it's very important to work with different doctors and to see exactly what's causing it. The other thing is is that let's say you do have an abnormal um, inflammatory marker preoperatively. Well, then we need to follow it postoperatively and see if it gets better. Right. So there's a lot of information to... Um, obtain. And we all need to put our heads together and figure out the best way to obtain it. Um, So that's number one. Number two is I would counsel everybody to um, not get hung up on the on-block capsulectomy. That's E-N-B-L-O-C-K. I think it's important to get rid of all the capsule. But on-block is great if you can do it safely. Mm -hmm. But If you have implants that are below the muscle, the posterior capsule is on your rib cage and the anterior capsule is under your muscle. So if you aggressively go for the unblocked capsulectomy and you're dissecting where you can't see, you can accidentally puncture a lung or you can damage the muscle that was on your chest wall that you really need. So I think that although unblocked capsulectomy is nice if you can do it, I don't think doing a total capsulectomy is going to change your prognosis. As long as you get all the capsule out, you irrigate the pocket with a triple antibiotic solution, I think you're going to rid yourself of whatever's in that, shell, in that capsule. Um, I also think that just because a surgeon doesn't unblock capsulectomy doesn't mean that they're not shedding capsule cells all over the Um, implant pocket. So I think it's important to remove all the tissue and then irrigate it out very, very thoroughly with an antibiotic containing solution. Um, And I think that that's going to contribute to removing whatever is in that capsule that might be causing a problem.
0: Okay. And so when patients are going into their regular doctors to get lab tests, what exactly should they be testing for? What do they ask for?
1: I'd like to see, you know, just routine uh, blood work, um, electrolytes, but I'd also like to see inflammatory markers, um, C-reactive protein, SED rate, and um, anti-nuclear antibodies. These are all screening tests for inflammatory diseases. Okay. Um, we want to screen for thyroid disease, adrenal disease, um, diabetes. We want to just see what other abnormalities they have so that we can rule that out. I mean, I don't think that... Um, I don't think that breast implant illness causes diabetes. So if somebody has diabetes, we can say, well, you know, that could be contributing to this. Now, I do have a lot of patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Um, and I'm just wondering if the implants aren't triggering uh, that form of thyroid disease. I mean, some, a lot of people become hypothyroid as they age. But the Hashimoto's um, thyroiditis is coming up in a lot of my patients now. And that's an autoimmune disease.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. That's crucial. Um, so I do always end with some rapid-fire questions if you're ready. Okay. Go ahead. True health is? True health
1: is um, eating well, exercising well, feeling well, taking good care of yourself. Um, I'm a big proponent of anti-inflammatory diets. I think that they will um, reduce inflammation in the body, even in patients with and with, even in patients without breast implants.
0: Okay, I believe
1: in. I believe in um, listening to my patients. I believe in um, thinking about what their concerns are. I believe in doing no harm to my patients, um, and I believe in um, you know just taking responsibility for. Um, for procedures that I do. So for example, I've been putting in implants for 25 years. I feel I have a responsibility to make sure that they're safe and to know who to put them in and who not to put them in.
0: That's so huge. And I do think, I mean, this study is just so symbolic of that, of that feeling, that intention. I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for uh,
1: my friends and family. I just lost my dad and Um, everybody has really really come together for me so um and it's interesting because uh, he passed away two days before I went to the FDA and I had been talking to him the Saturday night and I was telling him all about my FDA presentation and he was so excited for me and Mm -hmm. um I said well you know dad if you're not well I'm not going to go and he said no no you need to go and um the on Sunday, the uh, the Uber was right outside the hospital, ready to take me, and I went to kiss him goodbye. And I could tell he wasn't going to do well, and he passed that night. But I wow. got on the plane the next day and went to the FDA because I, that's what he wanted me to do.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and lastly, what's something that you've learned in life that you or someone would have told you earlier on? Um, to have. I guess well, I'm still
1: not doing it, but you get a good balance in your life. You know, you want to exercise, eat well, take good care of yourself, and then there's your emotional health too. Um, you know, yoga, meditation. I, I do think there's a holistic approach to good health and wellness. So I do um, wish that I had um, focused more on a balanced life. Of course, now with all of the patients' studies, <laughs> Right, right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm working 24 Good seven, but it's my passion. It's my passion at this point. And I really, um, I'm really hoping that we get an answer to this very, very soon.
0: Well, I'm confident with you working as hard as you are and just with your experience. Um, and, and that again, again, it goes back to that intention. I am, I'm very confident that you will accomplish everything that you set out. to And do. just
1: one thing I'd like to tell you know, your listeners and patients, mm-hmm. get your data in, get your data to your doctors, because um, it's very important that um, we see what's going on. I mean, we, it's, you know, it's a pain to fill out questionnaires. I've had patients email me back, I'm not filling out any more questionnaires. <laughs> like, Please just one more. Just right. Because I think it's so important that we're in an information gathering stage right now. And if our patients don't communicate with us, we're not going to get anywhere.
0: Right. We all have to work together on this. Absolutely. Yes, we
1: do. We absolutely. It's got to be a collaborative effort. You guys were, you know, forceful enough with your Facebook groups to push this through. You made the doctors stop and realize that it was a real problem. Now you've got to um, move on from the initial rejection by some of the doctors and just um, help us get the answers and get the information.
0: Absolutely. Well, if uh, our listeners want to get in touch with you, even though you are extremely busy or just check out your practice, if they're in Atlanta, how can they find you online?
1: On my website, DrMarissaLawrence.com. And I promise I am going to um, get a blog going on the breast implant illness. This way people would be able to see exactly what the up-to-date research is going on. So instead of, you know, blogs where um, I think we've, we've figured out the symptoms we figured out the time frame oh that was the other thing the time frame is usually within 5 years of implant placement mm-hmm. but i think that now what i'd like to do is keep patients updated on the research data what's going on what studies there are and what we're finding because i think that's important
0: Absolutely. 100%. And I think too, coming from a doctor's standpoint, not just a bunch of patients, like you said, saying Mm -hmm. this is happening, this is research, this is happening, this is minute to minute. We need this. So thank you. Right. We
1: need to know. I think we know that there's an illness. We know that it may be related. We just have to figure out why.
0: Yeah. And have the data to back it up. Absolutely. That's
1: correct. Data is very, Yep, it's very important. Absolutely.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Lawrence, for being on the show. Thank you for my doing my explant.
1: Fill <laughs> <laughs> so out your, so your paperwork. I know you have, so I'm I really have. proud of, of you. I, I really, I know you're proud of you. We'll need your one-year paperwork back at some point. But um, hopefully you're feeling better, and hopefully we'll have most of our patients cured,
0: okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much. All yeah. right.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Take care now. Bye-bye.
0: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Marissa Lawrence. Really, I hope that you learned a lot from it. And if someone in your life has been struggling with Hashimoto's or some kind of autoimmune disease and they have breast implants, please share this with them. We need to get the word out about this issue so that we can heal and help as many people as possible till next time. Thanks guys.